Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. My name is Zach. If you forgot, just make sure you guys know who one of the co-hosts is. The other co-host is... I can't remember. Is Jarrett? Jarrod? J-A-R-R-O-D? J-A-R-E-D? J... I think it's like Ja and then Red. Oh, Jared. 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 What's up, Jared? Hey, Jared. Well, we are glad to have Jared and myself back here in the Escape Mail studio. If you haven't played an Escape Mail game, you totally should. They're really good. Yeah, they're really fun. I very much enjoy them. So this week's episode is going to be a little spooky. Yeah, we're starting out four weeks of spooky games Mm -hmm. is kind of where we're headed. And we realized this last Christmas. We were like, we'll do the Christmas games during December. But that doesn't really give you, our listener, time to go out and get that game in time. Yes. So we'll be spending most of September talking about spooky games and most of November talking about Christmas games. Yep. So that you have time to get a game like we're talking about today, which is what? Hallows Hill. Ooh, by Wolf Escape Games. Yes. So very exciting to talk about this. Yeah. We are going to jump right into it. We'll see you guys in a little bit. Zach. Zach. What's up? Ever since we've gotten back from Boston, you've been spacey and some weird things with your voice have been going on. Okay. I go to get some donkeys and I bang a Yui and you're acting all weird now with me? That's exactly what I'm talking about. All of a sudden you have like this Southern Bostonian accent and I don't think that you're aware that you're doing it. I've always talked like this. No, no, you haven't. And okay, let's, let's try something. I'm going to remind you of something that you did before Boston, like ask you a little trivia. Do you remember what the first murder mystery game on the podcast that we did? I remember some game that we did that was about Harvard. Was it about that? No. Okay. You remember anything else? Do you know what state that the murder happened? Yeah, it happened in Florida. Oh, are you talking about like the lovely city murder that happened? Like the killing affairs? That's what I'm talking about. But now you're not, now you're talking normal. Yeah. What do you mean? Okay, uh, tell me what you liked about The Killing Affair. Oh, it's a really great game. It's like a murder mystery. It's episodic. You have to kind of figure out what happened on that day. It's a cold case as well. Um, But over, I think, five or six episodes, you get to complete it. Really fun game. And I know that at akillingaffair.com, they have other games as well. And I think they currently have a Jigsaw one that they just created. So really excited to see that. So you remember all of that. But if I told you maybe that the next game that we were going to play was about the New York Yankees, you would say... Oh, screw the Yankees. Go Sox. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. Like I said, we are here in the Escape Mail studio. If you haven't played an Escape Mail game, you should totally give it a try. They're a lot of fun. In this section of the show, this is kind of a spot where Jared and I get to discuss the game and we will get to kind of do our kind of our review of it. Get to tell about things that we liked about the game. We'll also talk about kind of some room for improvements that we thought we saw from the game. You know, this isn't a place for us to dog the game or anything like that. It's more just to show what we really liked, what we thought could maybe be improved on so that, you know, 
just like for everyone, we want the games to be great for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. We want you to know what you're getting into yeah. when you're playing a game. So, Jared, do you want to tell them a little bit about what Hallows Hill is about? Yeah, it is this great online game. No download needed. Just need to purchase it and put in your code, and then you're starting to play it. It is unique because it is controlled by one person, but as we'll talk about in some of our like slash room for improvements, multiple people can play. Probably for the average player, take around 90 minutes. Yeah, just a really great. They describe it as a cinematic mm-hmm. online escape game, which we're going to get into. So visuals very strong in this game. Recommended for them. They said one to six players. But as we'll talk about, we think it's best for probably a smaller group. We'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, it is uh, It is that season. And before we jump into this, Zach, I just have one question for you. Okay. Is it too early? Because we're recording this. It's like September 12th, 13th. I forget exactly what day it it's is. It's the 14th. Okay. It's a blur. It's a blur. <laughs> it's yes. a blur for me. Is it too soon to put Halloween stuff out? Like, where do you fall in terms of, oh. like, when is it too early to decorate for Christmas? When is it too early to decorate for Halloween? Where do you fall in that spectrum? This is hard. I usually do like a month in advance. Like I usually, or my family used to do when I'm still with my, you know, with my family, it was, we would do like the end of November would be kind of set up for Christmas. Would you, but I guess for Christmas, would you put up before Thanksgiving or was like, I did it after Thanksgiving. Okay. So you're post Thanksgiving for Christmas. Yes. When is your Halloween Halloween barrier? Uh, Halloween was, I think it's even like later. Technically, I think I didn't start doing Halloween till like the first or second week of October. I usually think very similarly, like. I wouldn't start setting up Halloween until at least October. That's crazy. And Christmas is for sure after Thanksgiving. Like you let Thanksgiving go and then you set up for Christmas. But I was seeing like September 1st in my neighborhood. Yeah. Halloween stuff going up. And I was like, that feels really soon. It's technically still summer. Yeah. Also our escape rooms. We have, we're already, we already have Halloween stuff up and uh, (laughs) it is September 14th as we're recording this. So it's just it's just funny to me. I just wanted to have that conversation. But I'm sorry. We're here to talk about Hallows Hill. Why don't you kick us off in talking about what we really enjoyed about this game? Yeah, there was actually a lot to like about this game. The main thing I'm going to cover, and this is kind of broad, but it, it's going to cover a lot of things that we really enjoyed. And it's the design of this online cinematic escape game. The design of it from the audio to the visual to the UI system it was very well done. It was enjoyable to kind of play through this experience and to kind of explain a little bit of it is that it kind of has what I would call, this is a really big compliment to them, but I don't know if you've ever played these types of games, Jared, but have you played the Telltale games before or know what they are? No. So it's a, it's a bigger company, but they cover usually more big markets games, but they basically tell like these stories through them. So they did it on The Walking Dead. They've done it on Guardians of the Galaxy, if I'm not mistaken, they've done it on Borderlands. Oh, so they're doing a lot of big Yeah, they cover IPs. most big IPs. Yeah, yeah. But the, the point of the games is that they're more like explorative and then you click on things and you gain new information. They have like combat and stuff on them too. But like what I thought this game did so well is it felt like that, even though it wasn't as, you know, it's not a mass market game like them. Wolf Escape Games was able to achieve, I thought was really well done in terms of that you explored the space, you got things you got to click on and interacted, you know, the screen actually changed in terms of like, clearly they had someone graphically design and and animate all these different parts for the screen and for the the game for it to process. I don't know who they had on their their team or how big Wolf Escape Games actually is, but it was very, it was really well done. I was very impressed. It looked beautiful. It was seamless in interacting with it. It reminded me a little bit of the Room series. Yes. 
if you've played through those in some ways, I'm talking visually, not necessarily the the puzzling aspect of it, but there was a lot of thought and time put into that. And I liked that they describe it as the cinematic because it was very intentional, even from like the angles, the pan shots that you would get into even some of like the, I would call minor jump scares that were in the game. It all felt very well thought out and very executed. I totally agree with you. And that's huge because for a non-downloadable game, it looked awesome yeah. and it flowed awesome. So I say kudos to them on that front. Like yep. if aesthetics are a necessity for you playing games, Hallows Hill will not disappoint Yeah, at all. Wonderful, wonderful on that. What's great about that is you can't really separate it from the second thing, which I want to talk about is the storytelling. Mm-hmm. I love the story in this game. And the way that it was told through the puzzles made a lot of sense. Like in my mind, this is in that upper echelon of like story driven by the puzzling type of stuff. What were some of the big moments without spoiling for you or how else did you see that play out in terms of the story they told? I mean, there's a few moments. I don't want to spoil any puzzle specifically and how it functions, but I'd say one of the better examples in my opinion was like a door is how Mm. how I'm going to describe the puzzle, but like that made a lot of sense in terms of like the notes you're given because mind you, this isn't a spoiler for how the game functions. You are given a journal that gives you some information used a lot, but there is a certain like door puzzle. I really liked. There was a book one. I liked there was a few that I thought were really solid in terms of like, okay, it made sense narratively why they were there. It wasn't like a puzzle masking where they just should go like, aha, I have this really cool puzzle, but it makes no sense in this narrative. They all like, Generally made pretty sense of why, like, even if it was a more, I'm going to call it generic puzzle in terms of style, it fit narratively into it, or it had a good reasoning of be there. It wasn't like a, here's a Caesar cipher in the middle of this house just right. for fun. Right. That's you know, a great example. It's clearly like a, oh, like, even if this is a, a more simple, like, riddle in terms of how the puzzle functions, it makes a lot of sense in terms of, oh, like, this is the character presents it, so a riddle would make sense for that, or or like the things you're trying to gather make sense in terms of what you're trying to complete at the time. For Absolutely. This adventure. And you expect a lot from a game that looks this good. And I don't think the storytelling disappointed, nope. you know, as we're talking about spooky games, one of the things that I always think of, that's like a foundation of spooky, scary horse cinema is the score. Yeah. Right. I thought the score matched the mood mm-hmm. that they were going through. They built tension with it. And it really felt movie-esque. Like you could see something like this being adopted into a movie. And there's many movies stories that are very similar to this is, this is not like an uncommon story, but they did it justice on both of those two fronts. And then the other thing that we really liked, which I'm going to be very honest about when I found out that we were playing a game in a certain way, I was not excited. And what I mean by that is I thought we were going to get to play this more in the telescape manner of, both of us loading into the game, syncing, you being able to look at things on your screen, me being able to look at things on my screen. But that's not how it works, but they were thoughtful about that. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So Jared is correct. Um, we are very used to the style of telescape games where you get to, you know, everyone gets to load in the same space. And this game is presented two ways, and it's very clear about that. Yes, Um, you can play this, which is what Jared didn't know. Uh, You can play this two different ways. You can traditionally play this where someone buys the game, hosts it, and then you Zoom call into it. That is one way of playing it. The other way, which is the way we played, is we are all in the same location. We looked at the same computer. 
However, they created a really cool mechanic that Jared is alluding to called the backpack mechanic. If you're one of the other people, so Jared for us was the person with the computer. I was allowed to have my phone scan into the game using a QR code. And I essentially got a backpack where every item that Jared saw, I was able to look at on my phone as like a backpack. And I could go through it. I could look at all the different files. I could see all the pictures. And that way I'm as just as involved in terms of the puzzles as Jared is staring at the screen. We don't have to stare at the same screen. Yes. I can go down there and he can go, oh, I'm trying to solve insert puzzle with this map as an example. Yes. And I can go, oh, I have a picture of the map on my phone. I can literally just look at it and explain it to you while you're doing it. So that way we both don't have to stare at the same screen the entire time. And it was really thoughtful of how do you keep the other players involved if there's one monitor? Yes. One mouse. And I would say it even aided in the puzzle solving because now I could be on the input Yep. and then you're calling out, okay, go to this number, move this this way. Yep. I loved that. I thought it was incredibly, and it did sync in terms of whenever we made it to a new room or looked at a new set of items, Zach's phone instantly updated. Again, web-based, no app, no download, really slick programming here. And I really thought that was a wonderful, wonderful highlight touch. Yeah. I have not seen that in a whole lot of other games. Want to see that type of thing in more games because now I want to play with more people. Because if we hopefully get to play a second game in the future from Wolf, well, I want to be the one in the backpack. Like I want to try that feature out and let Zach be the main controller of the environment yeah. and the inputs. And yeah, just kudos to them. Really cool. It was really cool. Really, really cool stuff on that front. Zach, let's move now into Room for Improvements. Mm-hmm. Where did you feel like this game could grow a little bit? Honestly, this game is fantastic, and it makes it very clear at the beginning of the game that there is a leaderboard. I will say, I think the leaderboard breaks the immersion and the experience. Yeah. Uh, mainly because the game starts off really good cinematically, getting into it, has you answering questions, shows you some stuff. It's really cool. It's actually one of the better intros I've seen in a game in terms of getting yeah. you into the immersion. Yeah, good, good onboarding. Very good onboarding. Process. And then it goes, here's the leaderboard information. And you go... <laughs> cool okay like still mind you glad that people want that but it immediately just took us out of the immersion going oh this is how we have to know about hence is how we mind you like it's great that it does explain it but it's still just like here's how much time is penalized if you ask for a hint here's where the hints are this is the leaderboard you want to try to get on the leaderboard with this time and you go extra hints cost you five minutes and you're like cool okay so everything you just did up to this point got me really into it and now you took me out because of all the likes are so good you're invested in the story. Yeah. You're not invested in winning or getting the best time. And again, you can make the argument from the business standpoint, well, some people like the story and some people like it, so we're going to give both. But at some point, these things come to a head and they cross wavelengths and mess with each other, right? There's interference. And that's what I felt like. I was with you. I was so involved. I was there for it at the beginning of the game. And then when they onboarded us, which it was solid onboarding, it was good. And then at the end, they creatively moved you into the leaderboard with a cool little segment there at the end of the game. I do like that. And then it was like, okay, here's your spot on the leaderboard. Cool integration into showing that in a cool little keepsake, digital Mm -hmm. keepsake. But then it was like, I don't really care. Like, I don't, I don't care that there's a leaderboard. Like you did such a good job selling me on the cinematic aspect of your game that this kind of just feels like it cheapens what we just went through. Also, mm. also given the story, right? Like, how are you supposed to have a leaderboard on what we just experienced, right? Like, I don't want to yeah. ruin the story, but it, it doesn't really even seem appropriate. Yeah. 
it, it does feel not immersive to the experience. I like I said, I do like the immersive element they try adding to the end in terms of the like leaderboard thing. Mind you, it's hard. We're very biased against leaderboards in games mostly. I don't think they should exist in at home games unless the game really needs it. Like it makes sense. Like this is a game about getting the leaderboard. Right. That's the whole if, game. If you're making your game competitive, like we said, it can be competitive in and to yourself. Yeah. And we've talked about that on past episodes, but it, yeah, it, it was a tone difference. Yeah. Like the story gave us this ending feeling. And then immediately it, after goes, here's the leaderboard. Lead, like then trans and it was a good transition. Like sure. I liked it, but yeah, it was just a little weird, but we did rank 19 out of all of them. So <laughs> not a huge deal, but we can't. <laughs> so we will say we took no hints, got 19th out of the thousands that are on there. So if you're listening and you got, if you did worse than us, you know, we're very happy that you guys are enjoying the show. We're, you know, play at your own race at your own pace. Humble brag. Zach says, get wrecked. Yeah. Well, you were like, I wonder how many to play. And I was like, uh, it's probably, you know, just a few hundred, not a big deal. And then, Oh, look, <laughs> look how good we did. Humble brag. Me. Uh, that it proves like some people do love that. Some people oh, like agreed, to compete, yeah. but it's hard with that good of a story. And that, yeah, I, like I said, I love the element of having your own option of doing like leaderboard ass things. I just didn't like that. It intruded in on the immersiveness yeah, of absolutely. the experience. Absolutely. The next thing that we want to talk about is we want to dig a little bit more into the puzzling because I brought up in our design and in the storytelling element about that. It feels a little bit like the room. Yeah. Things click. There's texture, there's sound, there's very much intentionality in the way that the puzzles play out. Mm -hmm. But the big problem that I had, and I think I remember was talking about this, Zach, was there was still a lot of paper in the digital world. Yes. For and, if, and some, not all. There were some really great solves on some really cool mechanisms. Yes. But they still feel like they used a lot of paper, and I didn't like that part. No, I agree. This game... Mike said, mind you, I, I said this earlier, not a spoiler in terms of how the game functions. Uh, the game does have a journal element. The journal is used a lot and it does help solve puzzles. So a lot of it is paper that is digital, you know, but there are a few puzzles we ran into where it was literally just a piece of paper digitally put on there where it's like, this is a, a drawing someone did, or here's, here's a, a riddle on a piece of yeah. paper. Yeah. It was clearly like, okay, mind you, it's still cool uh, and like makes sense in terms of like it was themed well. It wasn't like it was just a piece of paper to be a piece of paper. Like it made sense in terms of like don't want to spoil story, but like the kids and the household, like it, it made sense. But I was still just like, oh, this literally is still just piece of paper products, but digitally on to a. And that's what was great about the room is every solve felt like it was something that you couldn't do in real life or these things, these ornate puzzle boxes or, but in this, it was like, it leaned too heavily on traditional escape room modalities. Like here's a locked box. Here's a piece of paper. Yep. And they made that look good. Yep. Right. But at the end of the day, when you look at it for what it really is, is like, you guys can step it up. And the reason we know that they can step it up is because there were some really cool solves yeah. in that game with some unique mechanics and some unique items that it just felt like they ran out of ideas or didn't want to put it all into that. But that's what I'm there for in a digital escape room is like, let me touch and interact with stuff that because you can build it in a digital environment, you know, sky's the limit based on your design skill, right? Mm. So yeah, it was just a little disappointing that it felt like a mediocre escape room put into a really cool digital format at some points in respects to the puzzling. Hmm. Some of it, it had its moments that soared and it had it, its weaker moments. But I will say 
not to just be a total bummer, that at least the puzzles did make sense, yep. both in terms of the solves and in terms of the story. Yeah. There wasn't anything that felt out of place, but I wanted them to to step away from the paper. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. What was your last takeaway, room for improvement, or even just recommendation on who this game is for, Zach? Yeah, you kind of hinted at it actually at the beginning of this section, but the main thing that we kind of noticed is on the website, it recommends one to six players for this game. Our opinion is that we would recommend one to like three, maybe four in this experience. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Only because it's a good game. I would gladly play it again with Jared in terms of the amount of people we had. Two people was great. I could understand one doing totally fine. Three would be great. But I think after three, maybe four, there's just not enough for people to do. It is a linear experience. And the other part is that not against the game. The game does a great job in terms of this. It is a really fun game that I would recommend actually to newer people, but it's not insanely puzzly. And I don't mean that in terms, it's like, it's not like a puzzle hunt where you're going to spend 30 minutes on a puzzle or Mm -hmm. you need multiple people to like work on the solve. It is more simpler puzzles or more traditional escape game style puzzling. There's only so much me and Jerry can do staring at this, like my phone looking at the same information Jared had and him doing a, like an answering mechanic that really we didn't need anyone else involved Absolutely. in that really to help more. Yes. And there wasn't, um, the other thing is, again, you mentioned it's linear, but there's also not a whole lot to click on. Correct. Like the it, game it keeps you very gated. Yes. It keeps you, it's a very narrow field of what you can work on. And I think that's great for yes. newer players. I think that's smart for advanced players. It's very much like, oh yeah, this is, this is the only puzzle we can work. This on. is the only this puzzle we can work on. It's very clear what you're doing. You need to do it. You get it done. Yeah. You move on. But I agree. One to three. I would even say, don't play this game by yourself. I think this is a two to three player game just because that backpack dynamic is so unique and, and this game is currently being sold at $19. I think the value at $10 a player or even seven, $5 a player, there's more value in that versus if you played it by yourself at 20, I don't see, I don't think the value is there as a single player. Hmm. That's just me personally. Okay. So, but overall, like there's some cool stuff here. I want them to tighten up and, and get a little more innovative in the puzzling. But like if they offered me a second game, that would be an easy yes. Yeah. Easy yes, because they are getting into some things that I want more cinematic. Yeah. I love that. We talked about that in video games all the time. And they're blurring the line between digital games and video games. I really, really like that. So kudos to Wolf Escape Games. Very much enjoyed my time here. That's really going to wrap us up for the first section. We've got Puzzles to the People coming at you next. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Hey, I just got back from the mail. Looks like we've got a new game to play. Oh, really? What is it? It's the new Escape the Crate game. Oh, I've been excited about this one. I'm personally a little confused. Okay. The title on the box just says Hood Unit. Okay, can you spell that? W-H-O-D-U-N-I-T. Oh, it's Who Done It, Jared. Yeah, and the new Escape the Crate game, it's the Escape Who Done It. It's like a classic murder mystery, but with a twist ending. I mean, agree to disagree on pronunciation, and by the way, it's twist, not twist. Okay. But what you can do is go over to escape-the-crate.com and use code PUZZLINGCO, puzzling C-O, all one word, and you'll get 25% off your first subscription order or any single retired box that they have. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. Here in the Escape Mail studio, we are now in the second section of our show that we call Puzzles to the People. And today, Zach, 
we are talking about something that we did in this game that you didn't want to do, but we did anyway. Turn off the lights. Turn off the lights. We are talking okay. about how can you as a player increase the level of immersion in a game hmm. without the game aiding you. Some games recommend it. Yes. But I just want to talk about simple ways that you can help the experience. And we'll break it down depending on what type of game you're playing. Video game, okay. tabletop game. How can you really help build immersion? Because let's start at tabletop. We've talked about this when we looked at all of the different modes of games that we play in. I think tabletop is the hardest one to create immersion in. Yep. What are some games that you've seen that have offered it or what have we done in our game playing or what are even some things that we could try in the future that would help the overall experience in terms of immersion? Clearly, it does depend on the game. In the at-home space, there are a few companies that offer things and usually it's been like Society of Curiosities, like Soup does with Cracking Up Mysteries, you know, there or Cracking Up Mysteries does with Soup. But anyways, it, there are some companies who offer some really good things and usually that's been like attire, drinks, here's some meal, whatever, playlist, like playlist things to kind of help. The hard part is you can't enforce it at home. So it's kind of just on the player to go, do you want to add these things? And then it's on them to go, yeah, or no. You know, and sometimes it's a lot of work for some of them. They're like, no, I don't want to do a dress up a thing and I sure. don't want to make all these drinks. Mind you, if you want to, that's awesome. And it's really cool to add those things. But I want to say the easiest game style that can do it, that's really achievable is what we did today. Any scarier horror-based game, tabletop, video game, escape room, can make it really simple. You turn off the light. You add, you know, and I thought about for tabletop, like if we decided to replay like Root of All Evil, the one thing I would change aesthetically in the room is add one small dim light or a candle next to us. Yes, that would be tight. Like those are very simple things you can do that most people can do at home. Mind you, you might not have a candle. You might not have like a way to dim your lights, but there is a way of achieving that very simply. Uh, music is really good. Uh, finding a good audio mix, like I said, some companies offer it. But you know, if you look up most themes, you could probably find something. So if you play a pirate themed, there's enough pirate music from Pirates of the Caribbean alone to cover you for a game. But you know, you could cover you know like Greek mythology styles games. You just find some Greek mythology types of like mixes on Spotify or YouTube. I mean, it's very simple to add minor aesthetic changes or music or accessories to the experience. Absolutely. I think for me, the biggest one, if I had to rank them is the sound today's game. Like you said, we turned the lights off. We plugged in a nicer pair of speakers, turn the volume up a little to build kind of that intensity. And I like that yeah. because the world around you is so distracting phones, light, any other sound We're, I mean, we're in a basement. Yep. It's already creepy down here enough. It's true. But um, I'm glad that we did that because if we had done it in the light, I don't think we would have gotten the cinematic aspect of what they offered mm -hmm. so well. Uh, the jump scares that were present in the game, we hate them, but we love them. Oh, I hate them. At the, at the same thing. But I just think score is so important to anything. And some, I really like it when they go beyond, here's a soundtrack. And offer, I mean, video games give you a score, whether you want to mute your computer or your console or yeah. not. But I just think that's so important because sound drives emotion, mm -hmm. right? And you felt something in the game that we played that I don't think you would have without that soundtrack, regardless of what you felt. Mm -hmm. 
So anytime that we get a playlist, even if we play a board game, I love it. Like we, uh, there's this game called Parks. You've played Parks with I us. I played Parks with you, yes. My little brother always puts on the playlist that Parks yeah, made. Yeah, we listened to it last time. And it, and it it's a vibe. It's fun. I enjoy it, that it, game. It, it makes the game better. Like it relaxes you. It gets you into the spirit of what the game is all about. It was a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. But um, so sound is big for me. And I wish more companies would at a minimum give you a recommended soundtrack at maximum invest in a score yeah. for the game that helps drive the narrative along. I think that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Which of the other ones are you like, I really latch on to, to this? Yeah, I mean, it is a really good question. I, I think for me, if it wasn't just like the soundtrack, I think something that we can do is setting the mood in terms of like the atmosphere or like changing your environment. I think it's actually a really great way to explain it. So what I mean by that is I think it's really simple for you to turn off the lights when it's a horror-based game. Dim the lights if the game has a little bit of a creepier aspect. If it's a game that kind of wants you to be in a different setting, like if you have the space in your house that can put you somewhere different, like I think of, let's say, a game where you want to be more in the light or it seems more like happy. Yes, you could do it somewhere different or you like or a game that can be outside. Like that'd be cool to play some of these games outside. Like I could see an element of that where you could explore with it and you could add new elements to the game to make it cooler or creepier. Like I'm imagining playing like Root of All Evil near that tree. <laughs> you know, like you could do that. That's if you live near that, that's really simple. It would it's it's wild out yeah. there too, up there in Michigan. That would be utterly terrifying. But that's like I think you transforming your space is really cool. Now it might take work, but simplest things is like like I said, I think aesthetic is really cool. So if you can dim the lights, like I know at your old house, you know, we used to play some games. And I remember actually playing soup there. And we played soup, we dimmed the lights a good bit. And I was like, that's a cool, even though that game is not scary at all. It's uh, clearly a game about you helping this Society for the Unknown phenomena. You know, it was still cool being like, this room's a little bit darker, you know. And, you know, we have these puzzles that we got to do, some of the first style puzzles I ever got to do, you know. But I think of another setting is like D&D. Mind mm. you, not, not an at-home escape game, but arguably a, a board game, whatever you want to call it. But when I play that sometimes, like, a nice dim room, you know, like, yeah. and there's people like you're in a, like, let's say in the, in the D and D campaign or whatever you're, you're doing, you know, you're in a dungeon, you know, and it's yeah, like, you don't want to play in a bright yeah, room. You don't want to play in a bright room. So you play like in a more dim room and it seems like it's creepier and you can add music and like, it's really crazy how lighting alone can make a game like shine. Yes, absolutely. No, those are really good points. I feel like everything that we've talked about right now is more environmental. Let's focus personal, like what you can do. And and to give some examples, you managed, you mentioned like dress up or like other things that you can bring along, or I'm even thinking like full on role play accent, things like that. Yeah. Now I think I know the answer to this, but like how deep have we done that before? How have you enjoyed that? And does that help in the immersion of a game? It depends on the game. I think we have attempted it. You know, there are some games that we've done it more in and some we haven't. I do enjoy it. Now, mind you, half the time we make fun of each other because I think yeah, it, is, it is fun just to be like, okay, we're being dumb. Like I said, another comparison to D&D is like, I'm a pretty creative person, but I have a really hard, like I have a really cool idea of thinking about characters or stuff like D&D or in like games. I'm like, I love getting attached to the story of the game. Like World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy, you know, most games I've played or shows I fall in love with if it has a good narrative because I, I feel like I'm involved in the journey. Absolutely. Like it's really cool. 
So I'm huge in that. I love getting emotionally attached to things in terms of that kind of element. But it's hard for me sometimes to like role play it. You know, mm. like I go like, oh, I like it and by myself. But, you know, the inter- when you add in another person, you go like, oh, now I have Jared staring me down if I'm going to act like a uh, insert character. Come on. You've been you on. The, you've been on the WoW RP servers. We know it. I haven't. Good day, um, sir. Good day, sir. <laughs> Welcome to Goldshot. No, that's bad. <laughs> but I, I find it hard at times. But I think it's who you play with. If you find people you enjoy and you know that they can get into it as much as you can, I think immersiveness in terms of adding like clothing accents so that can be awesome because there i mean as we can tell with even from when we went to recon i mean there's a lot of companies who are going more immersive based or are, are only immersive based right and it clearly works like if you mind you there might be people who still don't want to do it but there are people out there who love getting into a character yeah taking on a role and having unique characteristics absolutely so it's it's enjoyable like i said for us i think we make fun of each other more than we like super get into it but it's still fun to give it like a whirl and just try it out and see how it goes i agree i, I think i'm more and more intrigued by those things the more that we do it because it does add immersion but like you said it adds some humor and some lightness and it it, the big thing is it has some memory oh yeah to the game right like um what was it were were we playing plunder at my house one night and there's that rule that says you have to talk in the pirate accent so you were playing plunder and and you were (laughs) and and everyone's pirate accent was just absolutely hilarious oh yeah but it's it's little things like that like even it doesn't even have to be like the whole game you have to talk like a pirate like offer moments of role playing yeah. to be involved in and then the dress up I, the dress up i can take and leave i actually am kind of enjoying that more in escape rooms yeah. these oh, days in escape rooms, I think. yeah I, I'll, I'll put on a hat i'll put on a vest i'll become a character in terms of at home i don't generally that stuff is uncomfortable not like uh personality wise but just like physically or i i I don't i don't have the wardrobe to get it done home like when we play games we want to relax and sometimes putting on certain clothing isn't letting us relax we just want to like literally just play our game at our space or at the office or absolutely but you provide it to me oh then i'll wear it like you if you provide the dress up i'm usually in okay like um i'm trying to think there's there were a couple games that like if there was a locket, we put it on. Oh, I was or, gonna say, I know like Rule All Evil. There's a few games where like not spoiling anything of those games, but they were giving us like jewelry to some degree. We definitely wore it. Definitely, <laughs> Even though some of it's cursed, I totally still wore it. <laughs> totally still wore it. But yeah, there's there's just unique factors. And I think the other one, especially at the at-home place, is just limiting personal distractions. Yeah, that was what I was gonna go into, is basically the only other thing I could think of in terms of you covering kind of more the like clothing and stuff was I was going to be like, I mean, it's really simple just to lock up your stuff. Mind you, you know, it's hard. You might have kids or family or like you have responsibilities that you need to have your phone, but if you can try to mute it, silence it, that's what we usually try to do when we play games. There are a lot of ways to kind of hide more of your distractions and try to hard focus on the game. So you get into it more, which is what, like I said, this game with the sound, turning off the lights, putting our phones on mute. I think we had a better time of trying to stay into it instead Absolutely. of like getting, ex- you know, going like, Oh, I just got a text message about this or here's a work message or whatever. Right. Cause, and then you're jointly enjoying the same thing, right? Yeah. Like when that hallway grows really dim and you know, something's coming and, <laughs> and I'm like, Zach, 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 yeah, Zach, Zach, like, please stop. <laughs> I don't want to look at it. Okay. <laughs> I definitely, as per usual, jumped more yes. than Zach did during this game. 
And then Zach, I think, was just like trying to disengage as much as he possibly could to not be affected by anything that was happening. Yeah. If you ever do anything scary with me, you'll learn very quickly that I'm the person that will actively not look at the thing. I'll just go, okay, cool. I know Jared's going to do it. So I'll let him experience it. I'll just sit here and do like the one eye awkwardly stares at the screen. And, and I focus all other attention on something else so that when the jump scare happens, only like 0.10% or like 10% of me gets startled. And then the other 90% goes like, oh, I was staring at that escape the room, the cursed dollhouse thing on our wall. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm here for it though. I'm, and that's just how we handle things. Like I don't, but I want the jump scare. It's the same mentality of like when you get on that roller coaster and you're climbing up, you're like, why did I do this? Why have I decided to go down this? And then when the drop happens and you're going down, you're like, oh, that was so good. I'm so glad I did that. Like, it's funny. I, I understand how those are so similar. They're just so different to me. I hate, I think it's the being scared because in my immediate reactions, like fight. Sure. Yeah. Versus like, at least in those, I'm like, okay, I'm stuck in this scenario. I now am just going to like, or I go like, okay. Cause I, you know, I get like motion sickness on rides. So I take some medicine, but the best part usually for me is I go like, okay, this is going to end in like 10 seconds. The scariest part of it's going to end literally if I just hold my eyes and go, this is a ride. I'm not going to die. And then it goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And I go, Oh, wow. That's the worst of it. But that was super sick. I want to do that again, but not the jump scares. No, those <laughs> suck. I hate scary stuff. Cause I'm like, I don't, it just makes me want to punch the screen or the creature. Like if any ghost is listening to this podcast, if you come in front of me, I'm going to give you the one, two. I don't think they'll be phased by it. Th- they will. They will. I, I hit, <laughs> Ghosts. You, your spectral fists will yeah. metaphysically just really mess them up. That's right. Well, that's really going to wrap us up for Puzzles to the People. Hang out. We got questions for creators coming at you next. There are some really awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Hey everyone, Jared here. And if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that Zach and I love to test our skills as private investigators. We've done this for local police departments, federal agencies, and we always seem to catch our bad guy. But one of our favorite companies to do that with is Unsolved Case Files. They have a really great product. Their game works through envelopes. Every time you solve part of the case, you open another envelope and you get to dig into even juicier and deeper details until you finally figure out what's going on. They have a great online input system for their answers. And of course, as we always talk about, a great hint system to complement it when you get stuck and you're looking for that extra nudge. Personally, we love these games because they tell great stories. Those stories have great twists and the connections that you are making to solve the case lead to those super satisfying aha moments. Me personally, I like these games because they're what I call one sitting games, which means they take about an hour to two hours and you don't have to worry about a cliffhanger ruining it if you want to get all the way through it. You're getting an entire story, an entire game every time you play an unsolved case file games. Currently, there are eight of these games out there. You can find these games at unsolvedcasefiles.com. And just for being one of our listeners, you can get 15% off by using the code PUZZLE15, all one word, PUZZLE15 at unsolvedcasefiles.com. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. You guys are now here in the third section of the show that is questions for creators. In this section, we get to talk to the amazing people who help produce, create these wonderful games. And we have two amazing people actually on for this episode. 
from Wolf Escape Games who's going to talk to us. So introduce yourselves, kind of tell us your names, uh, tell us about your company, and then kind of the origin story of Wolf Escape Games. Hi, everyone, and hi, Zach. Um, my name's Sally Johnson, and we also have Sam Beavis. Hello. Sam Beavis. Uh, and we are Wolf Escape Games. And, well, we started Wolf Escape Games only last year, actually. We launched just before Halloween, so it was in September 2021. That's the right year, right? Yeah, just before Halloween. And Hallows Hill is our first game, and we were very excited about it. We did not, with our first ever, we used to do a lot of work and animation and make games for other brands and stuff. So this is the first time that we ever made anything for people, real people out there that are going to buy stuff. So it was really exciting for us. So with creating your first game, why did you guys decide to choose and make an online horror escape room game? I'll start by saying that it, like many things, it happened in the pandemic <laughs> when, when, you know, everything kind of changed and, and people started reevaluating stuff and we were no different. I think we were just, we were a bit, we're, we're friends and we do fun stuff together. And one of the fun things we did over the pandemic was to play an online escape game. And it was the first one we'd ever heard of or, or seen. I'd never heard of them. I didn't know what it was. And it was a, it was basically just a Google form. It was literally just that with some little, you know, some illustrations here and there, but, but essentially it was, it was actually a Google form and it was so, it was so fun that we just thought, oh, I think, you know, we could probably make one of these and bring our, you know, expertise and animation skills and design skills into making this really something really, you know, it could really work like pandemic or, or not. That's kind of where we got the idea from, wasn't it, Sam? Yeah, it's it's kind of linked to the origin story a little bit, which is that the origin we, story. Yeah, the, the question too, which was that we've come from very different places. So I used to do video editing, camera work, uh, then got into motion graphics and animation and three D. Uh, Sally uh, has a, a whole previous career as a musician and a singer songwriter and a designer, and we have all these different skills and. We went through different iterations of of what we were doing before trying to sort of blend them together the best way. And I think when we played our first online escape room, suddenly it was like, ah, here's something that needs animation and design and music and programming and all these things that we could already do in a contained way, which also is why we ended up doing an online horror game because it felt like with all these new things that we were going to try and do, whether it be the programming aspect or selling a product online, we're quite imaginative people and we do have a tendency to get a bit over-imaginative and the scope and the scale of things tends to um, get quite big. So by setting it in a, a haunted house, a ghost story, these kind of classic things, it was that one thing that we could return to and say, yes, but is it scary? Is it exciting? It's a very easy way to sort of refer back to what you're trying to do and keep it somewhat contained while we were coming up with all these other things that we wanted to do. And also what's more fun than a spooky game? I mean, it really, we, we definitely wanted to capture people's imaginations in that way. And, and we knew that there'd be loads of people like probably a bit more like me than Sam, because he wasn't as much of us. He's more of a spooky fan now. Now we've made the game. But it, would the start, hard to, it would be hard to have been less of a spooky fan. He was a little bit, 
he had some trepidation about making I thought a... at one point, I did think at one point I might not be able to play our own game. That was a definite worry at one point. Troubling times. Yeah, but it got, he got pretty, over that and I he did. got really into it. And, and you know, it's just, it's really fun making spooky music and making things dark. It's just, it's really fun. It's fun to make, it's fun to play. It's just, it's actually quite hard to not just continue along that vein. But we, we have different plans, but I could see how very easy it would be to get sucked down just making scary shit, basically. So for Howl's Hill and for your experience that you created, I've noticed that the word cinematic is used very broadly and used very like it's capitalized, it's fully capitalized on your website. I can very much tell that cinematic means a lot to you guys in terms of a word. So can you tell us kind of what cinematic means to y'all as well as how it is used in terms of the production of your game? Well, this is a cool question because we I'm sure we both have a lot to say about it, but for me, um, personally, I just love films. I've been brought up on best memory probably growing up was watching E.T., probably showing my age a little bit there. But, you know, like the fundamental moments in our, in my life anyway, I think many people's lives are to do with cinema and cinematic experiences. So I think our vision about what Wolf Escape Games could be was always being transported to different places and different times, but using fully using the language of cinema to do it. When we first made our little thumbnails of what the game could be, we made them like film posters. So we made little, like we could do this or this or this. And and they were all, they were basically film posters. And we that's how we decided to do Hallows Hill first, actually, in the end. But we approach everything from from that kind of love of cinema and narrative, I think. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, the main things, having come at it so fresh in terms of escape rooms and online escape rooms, was that most of our references were other things. So they were TV shows and films and pieces of music and exhibitions and all these kinds of things. And I think that because our skill set is something that we can create a world in and, and create something that people can explore. This online escape game suddenly were a great vehicle because they're reasonably contained. We we can do everything ourselves in a in a tiny team, and yet we can make something that surprises people and that captures their imaginations in ways that maybe they weren't expecting when they open their browser to play a game. And for us, looking at how technology's changed, how we are all now so comfortable jumping on a video call with our friends and doing something like this. It's just a fantastic opportunity to do something genuinely cinematic in a medium that people wouldn't expect. And so, yeah, that that's the kind of, it's like bringing all of the things that we love from all these different places into a package that you can play in a browser, which is our mission. What is in store for the future of Wolf Escape Games. Do you have new games coming in the future? You can tell us as little or as much as you want. There's so much in store. We well, I mean, need... we've kind of done cinematic, so probably just yeah. do something else now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. we're going to definitely continue along the cinematic theme. Yes. Uh, we were already in, in, in the process of making the second game. We just wish that we could um, clone ourselves at this point, I think, because we just want to get it done quicker. But we're really excited about the second game because we're going somewhere completely different for that, which is the 1980s. What's better than having some 80s tech to play with for a start? And some 80s themes, 
And, you know, as the person who makes the music for the games, I'm obviously excited about the 80s music situation. So that ultimately our goal is to have many different genres, eras, places to go, really. That's how we see it. Like, where do you want to go? And then you get to pick. I mean, Sam's having a lot of fun making some... Uh, I think you made a Testarossa, didn't you? Did, yeah, yeah. Um, today I was working on a on a plane that you're going to have to land at some point. This one's got a very 80s action movie detective vibe to it, which is obviously is very different. Sally's exactly right. It's all about once we realised that we could do our version of cinematic, to, not to overuse that word, but once we realised that we could we could achieve that in the browser, it then becomes about, like, where do you want to transport people to? And, and our interests are so varied. We, we want to do ancient history and science fiction and all these different places and figure out what the tools that we've developed and the kind of style that we've developed, what that looks like in those genres and how that can be explored and what they can do. So we very much want it to feel like if you've played Hallow's Hill, you'll know you're in safe hands and, it, and there'll be an element of similarities to how that game is structured, but also it'll feel like a completely different thing. It, 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 it's, not a, it's not a repeat, it's a new experience that was going to build on the things that we've learned from doing Hallow's Hill. So yeah. yeah, it is exciting. It is exciting. And obviously, like from a technical point of view, we're, we're always trying to push things a little bit further each time because the technology that we're using it only just became possible for us to do Hallows Hill at, almost at the moment that that we made it and we're I mean particularly Sam is basically like the matrix uh, in taking in new <laughs> new tech so we're, we're, we're trying to kind of push the boundaries a little bit of what we can do in the browser game and the next thing that's really important for us is to make it fully multiplayer so for the people who are playing online we've kind of done it already but we just have to integrate it into the new game and the and Hallows Hill but just simply a way for people who are playing online to actually actually play together and be able to see each other's controllers and be able to kind of have a, just a more of a seamless experience. Like we designed it to to work really well on Zoom, and we tested it on all you know all different platforms. And we you know we made a digital backpack, which is a kind of companion app, which is just you probably used it. Yeah, it's really simple to load up, and all of that is to help people who are playing online to stay immersed. But for us, the next stage is we don't really. You know, we'd rather that people didn't have to use a third party um, platform to do it. And, you know, obviously, if you have Zoom and you've you know, only, only got 40 minutes, then stuff like that. We don't want people to have to worry about that. And we want the storytelling to start right from the start. So we want fully integrated video, our setup to be all hours, you know, no, no messing around with Zoom, nothing like that. And so we're really excited about bringing that. That will be next year that we do that, I think, but early next year. The, the main thing really on our new stuff is mostly just we've had such amazing feedback from Hello Sale. Like the feedback's been so great. And also for us, it's it's been people have responded to the things that were important to us that we weren't sure about. Like, oh, you know, we weren't sure at the beginning, like how much story and characterization can you put into an escape game? Will people like that or will they find that distracting? Or they just, are they not interested in that? They just want the puzzles, they just want their the time. And seeing the feedback and the responses that we've got from people about from playing the game and also how they've played the game, because the other part of the reason why we're doing it in the browser is because we do want it to be as simple as you open your laptop and you start to play this game. And we've had people playing it in groups of like seven people from like 13 years old to 70 years old, all together, 
in a room at Thanksgiving and those kinds of things. Basically, for us, it's it's um, seeing that people have responded to what we've we've wanted to do is kind of encouragement to do more of it. So it's all about how to how to leverage that in our next games and get better. What are some other games you guys are recently playing? Is that board games? Is that tabletop games? Is that card games? Whatever it is, we just like to shout out other companies and different games they get to play. So let us know what you've been playing that you'd recommend to others. Sam has played a lot more than me. I can tell you that much. Well, I'd say like we don't play that many escape games. We 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 do play every so often, but what is time? <laughs> but the other thing as well is that we kind of don't want to play too many because. When it comes to making them, we're trying to do our version of what that is. And I think it'd be really easy if you play a lot of games to unconsciously lift puzzles and, and to sort of go in, in directions that you've seen. And for us, it's it's, it's almost better to have a, a bit of a blank page there when it comes to, to, especially when we're in the middle of making one. So we don't tend to play too many escape games, although we have played some. One of the best things I did this year was actually the Exit game. The, I think they were a German company and they did an advent calendar which was, did you get the other It was amazing. Like, I, I wasn't sure what it would be. It was like, it wasn't that, that expensive, but it took ages. Like every day, it took ages. It was like a real investment. It became like a real investment of time. And I loved that they had the, these um, little rooms and they're kind of little boxes with props and stuff. And it was a really nice surprise that. So I really enjoyed that a lot. And then I'm, I'm an old school sort of point and click game fan from my, my childhood. So the one I haven't, played yet but i'm looking forward to is the new monkey island game is my is what i've got on my list as soon as i get some time is is what i'm going to go into because i played that when i was maybe 10 i think with my mum, and it was great so i'm looking forward to going back to that world yeah that's it it's the computer game area is something that we both have in common like as a when we were little we both played a lot of computer games as well as watching a lot of films. So that's something that me and Sam have, have a lot to talk about with. But as an adult, it really is hard to find time, even if that's what you're supposed to be doing for a living. My The games that I will um, give all my time up for, the most amazing narrative um, console games like The Last of Us and Uncharted, and then, then I'll be like, okay, fine. This one, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to just forget that I have two things to do and I'm going to play this one. But um, we don't play many online games, but we do try and go to real life escape rooms. And and even going to like galleries and stuff uh, is something that we do, you know, to get the juices flowing rather than play a specific online escape room. And we, we went to a really good one in a, a real life one in a ch- old tube in London, in which was really cool. It was it was all completely built out of an actual deserted tube station which was very exciting just to be you know just to be in that space was so was so cool and you know that's that's kind of what we're trying to deliver in the online space as well like just that immersion and bring you know the things that you can't get from a uh, real life escape room into it like the parts of the narrative and the way to handle puzzles that you can't you can't really do you know we try and make the best out of out of the limitations of it not being in real life. We just need it to, we need smell, smell vision next, you know? <laughs> yeah, you can find us at our website, wolfescapegames.com, and we are Wolf Escape Games on Instagram and Facebook. The best places to find us, we're pretty active on there. 
we've got a Halloween sale at the moment, if it's still Halloween. So the whole of October, we've got a sale on. There is no better time to get traps in a haunted house. So hopefully, you know, that'll be an encouragement to people to try it out. Sam and Sally, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an honor to get to meet both of you and get to discuss Wolf Escape Games as well as Hallows Hill and the future things that are coming forward. If you guys are interested in playing Hallows Hill from Wolf Escape Games, you can actually go to wolfescapegames.com. So wolfescapegames.com. And you can go in there and you can find Hallows Hill. If you're able to get this before Halloween, they're actually doing a Halloween sale. If you get it after Halloween, not a huge deal. Still very inexpensive. A great product that I recommend. If you guys want to support us on your way and your journey as you're listening through Puzzling Company episodes, you guys can support us many different ways. The first is you can go to wherever you listen to this podcast. If that's Google, iTunes, Spotify, wherever, you can leave us a five-star review. We would super appreciate it. You can also go to our Patreon and be one of our patrons. It would be super, we'd be super happy to have you guys there. There are different tiers that you can sign up as. So you can do as little as you want or as much as you want. You get to join our Discord. You get to have conversations with us. You get the digital games that we get to play as well. It's a really great place to get to meet us and get to talk about all the amazing games that we all get to play. And finally, you can go to our social medias, which is Instagram at Puzzling Company or Facebook at Puzzling Company. You can get caught up with all of our different posts as well as when new episodes go live. Well, that's actually going to wrap up this episode of Puzzling Company. It's been an honor to do all these episodes for you guys, and we're so excited to keep making more episodes as the year continues and as we go into year three, which is crazy enough coming up faster than I expected. Very much an honor. Um, We are excited to have you guys back next week when we get to cover a new game that is mysterious, and I won't tell you about it. You'll have to figure that out. But we'll see you guys next week. For Jared and for me, Zach, this has been Puzzling Company. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. Shift Cassette Studios. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.